Good morning and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. We are glad that you're here. Grab your Bibles. We're going to be kind of going through a a number of texts together this morning, and we start in the book of Exodus. You say, Mark, why do you preach an Advent sermon from the book of Exodus? Well, it's where we're going to start, but we're going to work our way through over to the New Testament in a few moments, but you'll kind of see all of that. This is a different season, and, and it really is. It's a different time for all of us. Our activities are different. Our thoughts are different. The way we approach life is very different during this time of year. Um, We do things that we may not normally do, you know, during this Advent season. Reba and I, we we got in the car Friday morning. We drive to Charleston, and and so we go down to actually hear Grayson sing like a a three-minute solo in their candlelight service at the Citadel. You know, we do that. We drive all the way down, and then we we spend the night, and we drive all the way back uh, yesterday sometime during the day. And so we do, we do things during this time of year. It's a very different time. On the way down, you know, Reba's reading to me some things and we're talking. And, and of course, she has um, some of the mailers that we get because my wife loves coupons and she, she just loves all those kinds of things. And she has this folder full of them. And she was reading, me, reading to me about this, um, this store. I will not mention the name of the store, but the initials are PB. And so you can figure that out on your own, right? And and uh, that's short for expensive, is exactly what that means. And, and so, so she was reading this to me, and she said they have this new program out this year for 2019, and that is that you can go to this place in the mall, you can purchase all your Christmas decorations, you can purchase your tree, all those kinds of things, and here's the really cool part, they will actually deliver to your house, set up your tree, put all the decorations on, and decorate all the rest of your house, and then if you have all of your gifts already there, they will wrap all your gifts and put under the tree, so when they leave your house that day or whenever, you're all set for Advent, for Christmas. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. And you're thinking, where can I sign up? Where can I sign up? Well, you probably have to take out a loan to do that, you know, or whatever, or, or you have to simply mortgage the house to do that. But yet, it's funny. I think that things are changing. Things are very different in our culture. It's very different time of year, very different time of season for all of us. And we can all agree upon that. What's interesting about this, and I think also uh, maybe kind of a, a struggle for all of us, that many times this season doesn't bear under the weight of our expectations. It, it really doesn't. We're drawn to it. Absolutely, as believers, we're drawn to Advent. As a culture, we're drawn to, we're drawn to Christmas or the holiday season, as we call it. And I'm there, man. I'm there with all the Christmas-loving Clark Griswold type of people that I'm there in the middle of all of that. You know, the tree is decorated. The rooms are transformed. I have done my exterior illumination, and that is for the novices in the room. We've hung our Christmas lights is what we've done outside. And so those things are done. I'm super excited about it. But can I tell you that there is also a very dark side to Christmas? You say, Mark, why? Why would you say that on this second Sunday of Advent in, in, in our teaching? Why? Would, because when we become, and we've said this so many times about other things in life, And our spiritual approach to life. But I have to say it to you this morning as it refers to Advent. That when we focus on that of the shadows and not the true substance of the season within our lives. And that's a term or terminology we use a lot. Then when we focus on that of the shadows, the trees, the decoration, the gifts, all those kinds of things. You say, Mark, is there anything wrong with that? No, absolutely not. 
So whatever you have purchased for me, don't take it back, okay? Just hang on to it, right? So there's nothing wrong with any of that whatsoever. But when that comes the focus of our season, then we feel hollowed out on the inside. Why? Because the expectations within our own lives, the season cannot support those kinds of things outside of that of the true meaning of this season. That is Christ and the gospel story, the narrative of the gospel story. Because here's the thing. We live under this human condition. Man, people are going to fail us. They're going to disappoint us. That is going to happen. The situations are not going to hold up under what we expect them to be. And that is our human condition. Our mind, this time of year, we're occupied by a lot of different things. We're thinking about, you know, how much, what we're going to buy and what we're going to give and how much money we have to spend. And, And for some of you who have resources and you're blessed with those resources this season, when you go to spend, there's always something in the back of your mind saying, Man, should I really be spending all this money? Should I be? Isn't there a greater need around me in the world? And so it's a different season for those that have, and it's also a different season for those that do not have today. Because sometimes you feel embarrassed because you feel obligated to buy when you can't. And, and you, when you buy something or spend money, you say, God, can I even cover the basic needs for myself or my own family? So it's a different season in so many ways for all of us. It is. And so can I read a really powerful advent verse before we get to exodus and it's from the book of ecclesiastes it is it's from the book of ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 because it speaks so well to this this season that we're in i think it says for everything or for everything there is a season oh and that's where we are we're in the advent season for everything there is a season a time for every matter right beside the word matter if you want to write in your bible in ecclesiastes 3 and 1 right there put the word purpose because that's exactly what the word matter means for every and and a time for every purpose under heaven it says a, a time for every purpose so during this season whether we have or whether we don't During this season, whether you can simply with your resources afford for somebody to come in and decorate everything and wrap all your gifts and do all of those kinds of things and you come back in the afternoon, your house is transformed into a winter wonderland or whether you're struggling just to go out and find a tree for your family. What do we learn from this season in our life? I think that's important because life is a learning curve. How do we grow from the season that we find ourselves in, both in Advent and both in that of just doing life? And so we go back to the question we started with last week, which Travis did such an excellent job with, then how do I make this year different? Can I share with you some thoughts this morning as I jotted these things down over the last few weeks and thought through, thought through them, how do I make things or how do I make this year different? How do I make this year different in my own life as I approach Advent? So here's the first of a couple of things. The first is this, and they all start with this statement, this year will be different because I have purpose to be honest with God and others. I have purpose to be honest with God and others. He said, but wait a minute. God is omniscient. God already knows all things. So I'm confused about this thing about having to be honest with God. Maybe I can understand with others, but having to be honest with God, what what does that mean? Well, it's like when you were a kid. When you were a kid, my mom... My mother could read my mind. I truly believe that sometimes, right? She knew what I was thinking. I could look at her with certain looks, and she would simply say to me, you know, things like, I know exactly what you're thinking right now. How do you know that, you know? How, how do you understand that about me? And, and so, you know, it's, it's like when your mom calls you in, as it was for me, when my mom called me, and she'd sit down, and she would look at me, and she would answer, ask me this question, which would shake me to the very uh, root of my life, and 
And she would say to me, is there anything you need to tell me? Yeah. Well, what do you do, right? What do you do? Well, your mind starts racing. Oh, Lord, I have been caught, right? I have been found out. What is she, which, but which one of the things is she talking about, right? Because I don't want to confess something she doesn't really know. So which one of those? It is a trap. It's, it is entrapment is what that is. So, yes, she asked, like, is there anything you need to tell me? Uh, and, but she already knows. You know that. You know she already knows. And sometimes she says to me, she would say to me, is there anything that you need to tell me? Because if you will tell me now, then things will not be so hard on you if you're honest with me. I was always afraid that was the biggest lie ever told, you know, from the Garden of Eden beyond, right? Yes. No. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm not going to get the right hand of fellowship on my rear end after this is all over? What does that really mean? You know, go to bed without food? I don't know what this actually means. No, I don't. And so she would say that with a promise. If you tell me the truth, things are not going to be as bad as you think they would. I think there's two reasons and I, and I lay this over this thing about being honest with God and being honest with people. I think there are two reasons why my mom used to say this to me. One, it was a moment for growth in my life. It was a moment to take responsibility. Listen, I say this to you today in, in all, with all the love of the Advent season. And it's this. If you're not willing to take responsibility for the things in your life, you are going to never grow beyond where you are today. It's not going to happen. You have to take responsibility of the things that you have done. But I think even more than that, you have to take the responsibility of the fact that you as a human being, you are broken. And you cannot fix yourself. And you cannot make yourself good enough for God to love you. And you cannot make all things right in your life. And you cannot fix the person sitting next to you this morning or in front of you or behind you. It just doesn't work that way. You have to be honest because the reality is that is a moment of growth. And the realization of who we are is where Growth begins in our life. It is. It's where it starts. So it's a moment of growth. She, she wanted me to grow, to take responsibility, to understand who I am. The second is this. I think it's a moment of trust. It's a moment because trust is the bedrock of relationship. What my mom was doing is this. She was cultivating a deeper relationship with me in life. When I'm honest with God, when, when God comes to me and God confronts me, I feel that working of his spirit within my heart. God already knows, but God wants confession from me. Why does God want me to confess something to him that he already knows about? Because it's a bedrock of relationship. It's I'm going to trust him to open my heart to him, to say those words to him, even though they're painful to me. That I'm going to speak those words to him. And I know that he is a loving and a powerful and a kind God who I can trust. Yes. So my mom would say, hey, you know, be honest. And when I'm honest, I trust her knowing that the next time, the next time she sits me down and says, hey, is there anything you really want to tell me? When that moment comes again, that I'm going to be quicker to confession in my life because it builds a relationship of trust. I chose the word honesty over the word transparency intentionally this time. I did because I think that growing up with my mother, that she would constantly use the word honesty with me. Because what I thought about that word and what that word has become to me, it's a word of weight. It has a lot of weight to it. It really has a lot of meaning to it because what it does, it involves more than just me revealing my behavior. It involves more than just me opening my opening up, you know, the list of things that I've done to her. It involves, but it goes deep into my heart because the heart is the motive. It's the birthplace of motive within my life. 
honesty goes to my heart. Because I truly believe for all of us, and I think we've all been here at some point, it is possible. It is possible for you and I to reveal behavior, but shield our heart from God and others. It's very possible for us to do that. Can I tell you, God is not looking for a list of all the bad things that you've done in life because he already knows that. What God wants from you today is your heart. What he wants from you today is your heart. Yeah. So be honest with him. Can I read this story from the book of Exodus? Here it is, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Then the Lord said, and he's talking to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard the cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and to a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Jebusites And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. He's saying saying to Moses this. He's saying, hey, I see how my people are oppressed by their, their captors. I hear the cry of freedom. I hear that they are overloaded with work, and yet they are very, they receive very little compensation. And when I say that, you think, oh, God's been on my job. He knows exactly, right? He knows exactly how I work. I thought my job resembled Egyptian captivity. Now I know it does, right? Yes. So, Mark, what does this have to do with Advent 2019? What does this have to do with me this morning here on just a few weeks from Christmas? It has everything to do with us. Everything. Because you and I are surrounded by people with a cry. We're surrounded by people oh, everywhere that, that we go and turn with, with simply they're, they're oppressed and they're struggling. And you say, but Mark, we just, gave, you know, we just gave over 200 people a Thanksgiving meal. That is wonderful. I think last week they told you that, that you know, over the years of us giving to Anderson of Faith Ministries, that you have given over 39,900 pounds of food. And that's a lot of food, isn't it? That's a, that's a whole lot of of Thanksgiving gifts, and you're giving, you're giving you know, boxes with toys in it for children today and all those kinds of things. But can I tell you, I still hear the cry of people that are oppressed around us. They're still there. And you say, but Mark, I, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm the one that's struggling today. You don't understand. I'm the one that's struggling to keep things together. You know, I can't do anything about them because I'm just struggling to take care of myself in life this morning. i got to focus on me. And then God knocks on the heart of Moses. And he says to Moses, hey, Moses, come over here. Let's have a little chat for a moment. I want to talk to you about something that's really dear to my heart, my people. Because Moses, and this is not in the text. I love it they were able to read text with imagination because we understand what the Exodus simply guides us and points us to. And so what God, what Moses don't understand is this is something that points way back to the book of Genesis where man messes up and God says, hey, I'm going to fix this. And one day I'm going to send someone who will come to my people who are in captivity, but they're in captivity to the sin of their life. And I'm going to lead them out to freedom. It's a powerful thought. It is the Advent story. And in verse 10, God says to Moses, come, I will send you. He says, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. That you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God, you want me to come? You know, that, that would be my first thing. What God does, God, God says to us, hey, this is what I want you to do. And, and, and what is our first reaction? We want to tell God how bad of an idea that is. Isn't that right? It's kind of like our MO. Most of the time we know 
that we're going to obey in the end, but yet we simply want to be, we want to say, God, here's the reason why all these things that you have said to me, they're not going to work. They're just not going to work. And so we have to have this moment of honesty with God. Can I tell you something? It's about our relationship with him. Realize this, that God is big enough to hear about our doubts. He's big enough to hear about the fears of our lives. He's big enough to hear about our heart and where we are and how we think that this would never work with who we are. Understand that you see in this text, Moses never doubts the power of God, but he's simply doubting his capability to follow through with what God wants him to do. It's about being honest with God. And some of you this morning are absolutely scared to death to ever be honest with him. He's big enough to handle your honesty. Realize that. He's absolutely big enough to handle it. Look, look at verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you and they shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have sought the people out, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, that you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God, I don't even know your name. You know, I don't even know what to call you. You're calling me to go do this task, but I'm not even sure what to call you. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Yes. It's this collision of the I am with the reality of the I ain't. That's exactly what this is, right? That's, that is exactly, yes. It's part of the process of Moses' growth. If that moment of honesty in the middle of the desert had not taken place with God, then Moses does not become the powerful man that he becomes in the power of God with all, all of his inconsistencies. Understand that to stand toe-to-toe with Pharaoh in the very palace and tell him to let God's people go. It's that moment of honesty that you and I must have with God. We have to have that. It's part of our relationship with him. So what about others? What about that other part, you know, that I, I started with? What about that? We live in an economy uh, that, and a culture that's like, it's, it's playing plastic. It's pretending uh, that we have when we don't have. We live in a culture that's very difficult to be honest about what we have and what we don't. Yes, when is the last time that someone called you up and said, hey, let's go to dinner, but you didn't have the resources in your budget to do that, but you went anyway because you didn't feel like you could be honest with them because you have to prop up an image before them. Right? So, yeah, let's get real for a moment. So let's just clear the air, right? So maybe if I'm on the wrong page this morning, then, then, then you know what? then I'll go to sermon number two. Now, I'd only brought one, okay? All right? So how many of you have ever spent money out of pressure, even when you didn't have it, you were pressured, you felt pressure obligated to do that, and you spent money you really didn't have in your budget? Raise your hand. Let me see. Let me see. Good. All right? Good. Terrific. So we're in the right room. We're in the right room. And you're probably going to do it again. It's the culture that we live in, right? It really is. When is the last time that you were honest? Can I tell you, if you can't be honest with those people that you refer to as friends, then most likely they're not really friends. True. Because relationship is built on trust and honesty. It is. 
Moses, Moses has to have that conversation with God in the middle of the desert to simply make him the man that he is to become to stand there before Pharaoh and say, let God's people go. Relationships are built on honesty and trust. Acquaintances are built on propped up images. And we live in a culture that says somehow that our worth Our worth is somehow determined by our income. And can I tell you, that is the furthest thing from the truth and what the Bible teaches us. It is. But I feel obligated. No. Your obligation is to be honest. Listen, hey, I would really love to go with you, but right now it's just not in the budget. Now, some of you would lie is what you would do, right? Yes. You know, I've I've had this cough. You had me coughing all day, you know, and I'm really not feeling real well right now. And and you run and get the space heater and put it right in front of you and say, you know what? My face, I feel flush and hot right now, right? So you can kind of live on that thing. what, What about when we're honest with one another in relationship and say, hey, I just don't have it right now. It's just not in the budget. It's just not there. And I really want to be a good steward of what God has blessed me with, and I just don't have it. Yes. And that's not a ploy to get them to pay, right? It's not, right? It's not, not that at all. But it's honesty with God and honesty with one another. And this time of season, I think, is one of the worst times in our lives where we practice dishonesty about what we have and what we don't have. Yeah. Oh, so here's the second thought. Here it is. Okay, hang on, because it gets worse. Here it is. This year, we, this year we will be. This will be different because I have purpose to live intentionally. I have purpose to live intentionally. Yes. And so, since Advent, and we have created this this concept. Christ is the gift, so we give gifts, and we understand. And there's nothing wrong with that. So let's talk about that for a moment. I think that's important. Yes, uh, the gift of Christ and the blessings of God, uh, they, they come to us, and we understand those resources are straight from God. And you, know, and you think, well, well, here it goes. If you're going to talk about all of that, then you're going to probably say the word money somewhere in here and kind of deal, and we know that was coming at some point. No, no, we have to talk about resources if we're going to cross this bridge about this year being different. Yes, because resources are not throwaway commodities that God has blessed you with. Understand that. They are gifts of God. They are meant for you to be very intentional with the things that God has blessed you with. They are. To be, the word intentional, calculated, to be strategic, to be tactical. Can I, can I read a text to you from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9? In verse 6 through 8, it says this, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must, I underline this part, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. It's the intentionality of what we do with the blessings that God has given us. We are intentional, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you because these gifts are all Grace gifts, they're all given by God, not that we've earned them, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Yes, is a blessing from God to you and I. It's not something that you and I have earned, and so it belongs to us. Realize this. When God couples this with grace, what he says to us is this. It's the very common graces of life that give you the ability to earn the things that you have today. Yes, If you're not breathing, then you're not earning. Who gives you the oxygen to breathe? Who does? God. Yes, 
That just makes it very simple to understand. So everything that's connected to you taking a breath today, when it comes to your job, your paycheck, your resources, or anything like that, man, they are absolutely a blessing from the grace of God. We're managers, we're not owners. Yes, what a great way to live, to live our lives intentionally with the resources that God has given us because they don't belong to me anyway. And so, oh, here it goes now. So hang on, put on the seatbelt, you know, for a moment, because we stand in line for the very hottest gift for the season. Well, Mark, we don't stand in line anymore. We just sit at home, you know, in our pajamas in the bed on our computer, and we order things is what we do now. Yes, and I love that too. Yeah, we did some Christmas shopping in the car, on the phone, on the way to Charleston Friday. So that is, that's exactly what we do. But you get all stressed out about now. You're stressed out about shipping dates. And you're stressed out about availability. You're stressed out. You're wondering if Amazon has lied to you about when it's going to get here or not, right? Is it going to get here before Christmas? All, all those kinds of things. We struggle with those gift ideas. All for people who don't really need anything. Oh, it got quiet. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's true, right? There's no apparent need. Yes, some of you are buying gifts for people you don't even like. Right, it's exactly. You, you do that, yes. This is not about the end of giving. Don't panic, okay? This is not saying that, oh, I got to go home and get all the gifts, unwrap them. If there are kids in here, they're absolutely despising me right now. For No, that's not what this is about. But this is about you living an intentional life, and it starts here in the Advent season. It does. So, Reuben, I've been thinking about this. If I got to preach it, we got to live it, right? Isn't that right? Yes. So, so we've been thinking about how can we be more intentional this year? We get in our neighborhood, we have a very close neighborhood with our neighbors, and so we buy each other gifts each year. This year, don't tell our neighbors, okay? If any of you are here, just plug your ears right now, all right? But here's what we're, what we want to be intentional. We have neighbors with small children. They both work. They're very tired when they come home. So what we're going to do is we're going to give them, we're going to give them a night out of their own kitchen and we're going to provide a meal for our neighbors. So when they come home this year from a long day at work, that some, that some point we're just going to bring a meal to their house or they're going to come to our house and eat this year instead of buying them some, some whatever, you know, fruitcake. I don't know. Whatever you buy, right? Yeah, that you can use for actually door stops and you can hammer nails with them and stuff like that. You can throw them, you know, at the TV when your team loses. All of, So we want to be intentional. Yeah. We have a neighbor who is a, she's a widow and, and she's extremely, extremely social and, and, and we love her to death. We, we do. Yes, she invites me over. She invites me over to drink wine and smoke cigars. She does. Yes. <laughs> and I love her to death. I really do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And on Saturday afternoons in the summer, she turns on music on her deck. We can see her until she built a blind where we can't see her anymore. But we can see her and, 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 she, and she turns on music and she dances all by herself. She's a wonderful person. We love her to death. Yeah. And, and so this year, we, we've, never had her, we've never had her in our home for a dinner. We're going we're gonna to cook for her and bring her instead of giving her something, because we want to be intentional. Why? Because we want to build a relationship. Why do we want to do that? Because we want them to see Christ through us. I think that kind of intentionality in our giving lasts long, before, long after you give them some trinket. Because let me break this down for you. 
that we're spending resources, I think, many times in our lives on things that simply just get placed on a shelf and somebody has to move them around to dust them. And when that person that we, now I'm going to get really personal here. And when that person that you give it to dies, their loved ones have to sell it in a yard sale. And if it doesn't sell in a yard sale, it goes to a thrift store. And if the thrift store doesn't want it, it goes by the side of the road for the sanitation department to pick up. True. But I think an intentional moment in someone's life to share with them not not bringing him over to preach a sermon. I'm not going to pull out the podium and open the big Bible and say, now we have you here, the doors are locked. I'm going to preach a sermon to you about what happened. No, no. But for them to see Christ in our life. To break bread with them and be intentional in, in those areas of our life with others. I think that's the way that Christ has designed us to live and to make him known in this world. That we make him known through the intentionality of our generosity in life. Yeah. What about the next time that you see the person that's displaced in life and normally what you do is you throw them some money and this time of year maybe you throw them a, a lot more money than you normally do, you know, on the side of the road or somebody you're running into. What about being intentional and saying, hey, listen, can, can, I, can I do something different? This year, I'm trying to make I'm trying to make this year different in my life and, and maybe take them and get them something to eat, buy them a sleeping bag, buy them a tent, give them something that can actually keep them warm and keep them out of the weather instead of you throwing some money at them. Why? Because it shows them that you really care. I think that's important that we become intentional in our lives. The third thing is this. The third thing is this, that this year will be different because I have purpose to take my time. Oh, that just, that's like some of you putting on a pair of sandpaper underwear. It's just rubbing you raw right now. Isn't that right? Yes. And then running a marathon with them on. Yes. I could go further, but I won't. Okay, this is how my mind works. It's already going there, but I won't. Okay, yes. Yes, you got the point. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. It does. How can you tell us to take time? It's Christmas. Come on. This is about being busy. Uh, you know, all those kinds of things. You know, you're going to tell us to slow down. Do you realize, Mark, do, uh, do you have any idea what time of year it is right now? That we're right in the, in the smack dab. The word smack, this term smack dab is a southern term. If you don't know that, it means in the middle of something, okay? They were right smack dab right here in the middle of this season. You got to wake up and smell the coffee. There's no time just to take my time. For the love of the baby Jesus, stop saying stuff like that because it really makes me angry to tell me to slow down because I read that in devotionals all the time, but it does. It makes me upset that you're going to tell me that. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Have you ever fallen into quicksand? You say, Mark, that's the most random thing you've ever said to us. No, no, really. Have you ever fallen into quicksand? I had this thought and, and, and I kind of, I put this in my notes because it's important to remember yeah, if you ever find yourself immersed in quicksand, here's what you do. You take your time. Now, now listen to me for a moment. Yeah, Because quicksand, unlike water, you know, it does not move out of your way to let you pass. It doesn't. Quicksand resists movement. It, 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 let me explain. That the more you thrash around, the more you panic, the more you're 
busy when you're in the middle of quicksand. What happens to you? You what? Sink deeper. Exactly. Yes. You, but you, you take your time that gets you safely to the shore. This season is a lot like quicksand. You say, Mark, you have no idea. No, it is. It is a lot like quicksand. And quicksand can be quicksand, and you can't avoid it at times. And I understand that. I realize it. But it's how we approach those times. It's how we approach this moment. It's how we react to those times that we react to it honestly and intentionally and react to it by simply taking our time, that we slow down, that we slow down. Well, this season, I want to I wanna move at God's speed. That's what I want, you know. And, and I thought about that. We say to people, hey, God's speed. You know, when, when they go to do something or they leave or whatever, we say, well, God's speed. But, but what is God's speed? At what speed does God operate? Have you ever wondered? At what speed does God operate? Well, I'm going to tell you. It's 2 second, it's second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. Here's what it says. You ready? The Lord is not... Slow to fulfill promises as some count slowness. Realize this. It's not that God is not slow. It's that God is not slow as we see slowness. It's not. But here's God's speed. But is patient toward you. I looked up the word patient. Do you know what it means? It means easygoing. Is actually what he means. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This season can seem like quicksand. It can. And when you reach January, you're taking down all the decorations of your house. You're putting them back in, you know, all the boxes to put them back in the attic. And have you ever known that they never all go back in the number of boxes that you had, right? It seems like the stuff multiplies on its own somehow. Yes, and you put it all back into the attic. And in the back of your mind, there are these thoughts of regret with saying things like, I should have. Yeah, I should have spent more time with someone. I should have made a visit to someone. I should have taken them a meal. I should have had a devotional on Advent with my family every morning before they get up and go to school or during the Christmas break. I should have done all those kinds of things. But yet, it's like quicksand. And the busier you are, the deeper you begin to sink. And I think it's time that you take your time and slow down. Oh, I feel the anger in the room. You know, I really do. Yes. You you cannot tell me. I have so much to do. I have so many places to go. Have you seen the list that I have? And you're telling me to slow down. Can I illustrate this for you? Because I think this is important. I want to move this out of the way for a moment. Yeah. And... Some many, many years ago, there was this children's television program on PBS. Ah, some of you are swift and you, you've, you're, you're catching on, right? Yes. Yes. And so I thought, what does this mean to slow down, you know? And so I thought, what better way that in this program... Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. That every time this program starts, now, you can check me out later on Google. Don't do it right now, but you can check me out later. That every, every day that when this program comes on uh, PBS, that 
the opening scene always ends with a blinking yellow caution light. I don't know if you ever know this, that or not. If you were raised on, on Mr. Rogers, then you say, if not, go look at it. But it always ends. Why? Because what was his message to us? It's about slowing down in life and not missing the people or the things around us. He comes in the set. He walks through the door. He's always wearing a coat and a tie, right? Because it's about a transition in your life. And I think we miss those transitions sometimes because we get up in the morning and our day is busy from the moment that, that we hit the floor until the, you know, thank God we go to sleep at night. And you say, but Mark, I can't get rid of my kids. You know, I have to, I, yes, I, I do understand that. And you have to navigate your way through that. But he would simply go to the closet. He would remove his jacket. He would open the closet door and he would take out a sweater and he'd put that sweater on. Yes. I hope that the studio was cooler than what it is in here because I am burning up with this thing. I want to tell you right now. Yes. He would do that. And then he would go to the bench and then he would sit down and he would remove his shoes. You know, like this. I made sure that I didn't have any socks on with holes in this morning. I did. Yes. Yes. Because I have been known to do that. He would remove his shoes. He would take out his Sperry Captain CBOs is what he would do because I researched this. Just exactly what I'm putting on. And he would lace them up. And I thought, you know, this is not the gospel of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Understand that, all right? So just, just hang on for a minute. But I thought, why all of these things? Why? Why the sweater? Oh, it's a transition point in a day. Why the shoes? It's taking a moment to just breathe and pause. And say, I can go through life and I can be busy and hurried all the time, really doing a lot of things that don't have a lot of meaning to them. But yet I can take some moments in my life to slow down. I can actually go at God's speed. Yes. I think it's funny. I thought about this, you know, when, when John Glenn went to the moon. What did they say to John Glenn? Do you remember? They said to him, God's speed, John Glenn. You remember that? You know? Well, can I tell you, God's speed is not that of a rocket. But God's speed is that of patience and slow and taking his time. Because that's how and that's where we learn. And I think what we do in life is that you and I go through life so hurriedly, especially during this season and this time, that we miss not only the common graces that surround us daily, but we miss that of the uncommon miracles that surround us. And I think we go through this time of season And we see the shadows, the trees, and all the things that are truly celebratory. But yet we fail to think about the narrative of Advent and the gospel. And how that has changed our lives. We don't have those conversations with others because we're busy standing in line or or, or we're busy on our computer ordering something that we know we've got to buy for somebody that really needs nothing in life. other than maybe a conversation with you 
or prayer from you or relationship with you. I realize it's difficult. I realize that we cannot all be a Mr. Rogers. I realize that. But what I can say to you is this, that I think that we can be honest with God about who we are and where we are in life. We can be honest with those that we have relationships with and not function out of just obligation. I think that what we can do, we can live life intentionally this year. We can live life intentionally. And I think that we can simply take our time to slow down and to really grasp what this means to us. I, I wrote something in my journal this week. And, and I, I, I want to read this be, to you because I, I wrote this after reading a devotional some time ago. And, and I wrote this, and, and here's, what I, I, here's what it says, and I quote it, and, and I, I don't remember exactly, exactly where it came from, but I, it says that we cannot love what we do not linger over. And I thought about that a lot, that we cannot love what we do not linger over. Isn't that the way that God loves us? Doesn't he linger? Think about how patient God has been with you, right? Yes, think about all the stupid things you've done in life and how God has absolutely been patient over you. And, and, I, and I've made all these notes under that. We cannot love what we do not linger over. Um, that's the way God approaches us, and that's the way God loves us with patience. He loves us so he lingers over us. Hurry becomes an enemy to real love and growth in our life. Hurry becomes a real enemy to real love and growth in our lives. And I'm preaching to myself. I'm having to hear these words this morning because what I miss or what I could miss is the fourth thing I share with you is we're getting ready to pray together that this year will be different because I have proposed to enjoy our purpose to enjoy the greater reality of who Christ is. And I have to read John chapter 1 and verse 1 through 5 to you this morning because one of the most powerful Advent verses I think ever written in scripture for us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and when I read the gospels what I realize that no one ever struggles no one ever struggles with the humanity of Christ. What I realize is that everyone struggles with that of the deity of Christ. It's because of the gap of eternity that's in our heart, and only Christ can fill that gap of eternity within our hearts. C.S. Lewis says it so powerfully that if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. There is something in my life that this this world cannot satisfy. It cannot fill. It, it just does not work. It, it does not happen. And if I get so hurried through this life that I miss that fact, I miss that powerful part about Advent and the narrative of Advent and the gospel story, that there is a gap in all of our lives and we try to fill that with this season also. We try to fill that with all the things that we're going to be experiencing over the next couple of weeks. And can I tell you, outside of Christ, you're going to be left feeling hollow inside. Colossians 1 and 27 says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, 
What is the great mystery that he talks to us about here? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the greater reality of this. That Christ came, he came as a baby in a manger? Absolutely. He walked on this earth through his ministry. He gave himself, no one took his life, but he gave his life on a cross for you and I. Yes. But the greater reality of what Colossians just informs us is this, that he lives within us. That he lives within you and I. So that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. That's such a powerful thought, isn't it? That he doesn't see all the mess-ups of my life, and he doesn't see all the mistakes and the cataloged sins of my life. He doesn't see all those things. Why? Because the, it, it is a theological word. It's the word imputed. And that is that his righteousness has been imputed to me so that I am covered in the righteousness of Christ this morning. That's the greater reality of that. And that is that he lives within me. So that I've not chosen this season to fill the gap in my life, but I've chosen God to fill the gap. And when that happens, he reorders creation for me. It changes the way I see things. Yes. So if I get up tomorrow morning and things are not going well, I know God is still for me. He's not against me. If things go great, I celebrate that with the Lord. I know that if, if a struggle comes my way, then I realize that it's a moment for me to learn something and to trust God in a greater way. Because when Christ lives within us, he reorders the way we think. He reorders the creation around us. So we see things very differently. So even in the midst of struggle in this time of year, maybe when you don't have this morning, it doesn't change the fact that God is loving and God is good and God has provided for you the very thing that you need and that is he filled the gap of eternity in your life so in light of that let all the relatives come over to my house it's okay it really is yes let them bring those kids that are buck wild you know because crumbs can be swept up or vacuumed up the house can be cleaned let all that happen because that's not my identity my identity is not found in that nor my purpose no my identity in this season is found in christ so today i purpose to slow down yeah i purpose to slow down to get my mr rogers on for a while you know I purpose to be honest with God, be honest with my friends, my relationships. I purpose to be intentional with those things that God has blessed me with this year. And I purpose to focus on the greater reality of who Christ is. And what that does in our lives is it takes the celebration that we normally have and it intensifies it a billion times over. So for a moment in reflection, would you bow your heads? And I tell you to do that and close your eyes because it kind of shuts out all the things around you. It helps you focus upon what God is saying to you. It takes your mind away from Amazon and 
what's being delivered at your house today and did it make it to your front porch? It takes your mind away from all those kinds of things. And it focuses us on the greater reality of who Christ is. It helps us to examine our hearts this morning as to the honesty of our life. And to begin to purpose with the help of Christ that we will step into a life of honesty with God and our friends. That we will become intentional with the resources that God has blessed us with. That we will take a moment to just slow down. Because we live in the illusion, we're sold the illusion in our culture. That the way to get out of quicksand is to hurry and to be busy. And to fight our way out. And we know that the dynamics of that is it just simply causes us to get deeper So today we choose to enjoy the things and the people that are around us that God has given us. For the people that God has placed in our life, we are better for them. We are better because of them in our life. And so we celebrate that. And today, what is deep in our hearts is the greater reality of who Christ is, that he lives within our lives. So, Father, may we take these things, may we hold them deep within our hearts today. May they work from our heart to our mind and become action in our hands, in our life, and our words that we speak and where our feet carry us. May this Advent season truly be different for us. And let that difference begin today in our lives.